0: Can you return to a fulfilling, challenging, and successful career after a long career break? After listening to this collection of returner stories, we hope your answer will be a resounding yes. I'm Karen.
1: And I'm Liz. We're both coaches with Women Returners, the Return to Work Specialists. We work with employers and career returners to enable professionals to return to satisfying and fulfilling work after career breaks of two, five, or 15 plus years. Over the years, we've coached hundreds of career returners, and we're excited to share some of their inspirational stories with you.
0: On our Career Returners podcast, you'll hear from a diverse range of people who are successfully back at work after taking long career breaks for childcare, eldercare, health, relocation, or other reasons. They share the ups and downs of their return to work journeys, the challenges, the rewards, and their learnings. After each story, Liz and I will chat over some of the key themes that emerged and share some of our top return to work tips.
1: A big thank you to JP Morgan for supporting us to bring this podcast to life. Now, in its ninth year, the JP Morgan Reentry Programme offers experienced professionals who've taken a career break of at least two years the support and resources they need to relaunch their careers. Currently running in the UK, US, Europe, India, Singapore and Hong Kong, JP Morgan's re-entry programme provides a fully supported transition back to work. In keeping with the international reach of their programme, in series two of our podcast, we've captured stories of returners returning to work both in the UK and in other countries.
0: After listening to this episode, do head along to womenreturners.com where you'll find lots of advice, over 100 success stories and a range of return to work opportunities for people on a career break wanting to get back to work. And do also sign up to our free network and Facebook group for extra support and connection. And now over to this week's guest. I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Harriet Rogers. Harriet qualified in the RAF in 2006, working as an aerospace battle manager. She took her first career break in 2013 after the birth of her first child and after going on to have her second child, returned to work in 2015. After two years back, both she and her husband decided to leave the military in an attempt to spend more time together with their young family. They moved to the Middle East with his work and finding herself unable to work there, Harriet took a second career break, this time lasting five years. During this time, she kept herself busy studying and upskilling and on her return to the UK in 2022, was delighted to join BAE Systems as Head of Cybersecurity, Governance and Standards. Harriet, welcome to the podcast. Hi, good morning. So Harriet, your early career as an Aerospace Battle Manager in the RAF. Tell us a little bit about this work and we'd love to hear, you know, what, what did you particularly enjoy about it?
2: So my early career was largely spent in operations centres, operations rooms, running teams of technical experts, managing systems such as digital data links, air defence systems, radars, and teams of people putting together a recognised air picture for distribution to ships, international partners, other aircraft. What I really enjoyed about it was it was great to feel part of something that was actually quite important contributing to national security, and it was really good to be part of a team in a fast-paced, dynamic environment. There was also loads of opportunities for sport. I used to do a lot of skydiving competitively. There was opportunities for academic development. Plus, you were constantly learning new technical skills. There was constant courses about space awareness, digital data links, radar technology. So you always felt like you were learning, things were changing it was very fast-paced and you were working with great like-minded people and obviously lots of opportunities for travel. Um, it was also very
1: demanding. Sounds like you, you really enjoyed the variety that, that was going on there. Like you say, being in a team, lots of change and lots of learning and development. You took a two-year career break during your time in the RAF after your daughters were born. What was it like returning to the RAF after this break and what in particular helped you?
2: That's a great question. And I think I would possibly answer it in two parts. My initial return to work was actually very challenging. I was living in the far northeast of Scotland, so a long way from family and friends. And my husband was sent overseas, posted overseas for four months, the week before our daughter's first birthday and my return to work, so at the end of my maternity leave. So I was with two very young children going into a new role within the RAF in a place where I was fairly geographically and sort of slightly socially isolated. And because I was going into a new role in a new environment, I wasn't really part of that team. So that was quite a lonely time, quite a hard time. It was the depths of winter. I didn't have a support network particularly. I didn't really feel like I was part of the team at work and it was, it was very taxing. I got through that phase with just being super organized. Like I, I had everything planned to the nth degree. And I had to be very, very on top of domestic administration to try and keep up with the work requirements. What really helped was I had a fantastic boss. She was also a mother to young children and her husband was also away. So she was incredibly understanding and supportive And that made the transition back into work a lot easier. From that point onwards, I then moved into what was to be my proper job for the next two years, which was moving down south, doing a a staff job. So, very much more in lines of capability management, project management. And I was working with a group of very like minded and supportive people who were great fun as well. And that was absolutely brilliant. I managed to find a a rhythm that fitted domestically I managed to fit the work in both my husband and I were at home so we were able to share the the domestics and the looking after children and I absolutely loved it there was loads to learn I was working with great people and I really felt like I was back in my professional stride so that was that was a really enjoyable time actually.
0: It's really interesting that you talked about finding your rhythm there. Tell us a little bit more about that. What did you do to help that? So, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the support network, but but what else kind of contributed to you feeling back in your stride? I think the predictability
2: of work at that point in my life was really helpful. So it was largely Monday to Friday. It was largely nine to five. You know, there was nursery close to work. It was very stable and it was in a good routine of It sounds silly, but things like the grocery shopping or the deliveries, knowing what day you're putting the laundry on. I think if you've got predictability, you can fit your schedule around it very easily. I think when things become unpredictable, you have to be a lot more adaptive. And that can be quite challenging when you're trying to keep things as stable as possible for the rest of your family. Small children tend to not like surprises or changes, in my experience. So trying to keep things as seamless as possible on the surface i found helpful for a smooth running of managing your professional and your personal life
0: yeah i think that's the, that establishing the routine isn't it that's key so you're not you're not wasting that sort of valuable resource and time in decision making and having to you know having to cope with the uncertainty of day to day
2: and actually there's a huge capacity sapper as well if you're constantly yeah. thinking what to do next that takes up a huge amount of your mental bandwidth whereas if you know what's happening next because it's it's the same every day or it's the same every week or you've planned your week out and nothing's changed, that frees up a lot more capacity for other things, whether that's work, family.
0: Yeah. So you talked about having a staff role two years after you came back from your first maternity break. You and your husband took the decision to leave the military. What what prompted this, this decision and this second career break that you then went on to take?
2: It was a number of aspects, I suppose. First of all, the things that I loved about my career, the dynamic environment, the the constant change, the opportunities for sport, academic development, technical development, travel, that all stops being as much fun when you've got more people to consider than just yourself. So actually the things that were opportunities then became either things to not enjoy or things that you were... you had to regret saying no to. So, can you do this competition? Actually, I can't because I can't work this weekend. Or, do you want to go away? Actually, I don't. That I can't get the childcare. It becomes you feel like you're not making the most out of the career that should be offering a lot more to you. Uh, and just what what works when you're on your own in your twenties and thirties doesn't work necessarily as well when you're you know you've got a family to consider. The other factors were that progression was becoming incompatible with parenthood. I was told directly by one career manager that you need to work out what's more important, your family or your career. And another told me that if I wanted to progress, I had to go back to a specific location, which was 200 miles away from the nearest place my husband could work, and was shift work. It's like well, I can't, I can't do that job effectively. So that was a direct barrier to progressing further so it was quite explicit at times that my personal circumstances were not going to fit with my career aspirations anyway going on an overseas operational tour is is something to aspire to when you don't have a family but it's something very challenging and I hats off to I've got a lot of friends who have managed it very successfully but it's it's a big ask and lots of people make it work and they make it work with supportive family networks and they make it work with nannies. And, but it, it wasn't for us. The other aspect was, again, the moving every two years or 18 months, as it were, that we ended up moving. That's a lot, big juggle once your children get to school age. It's, it's a new set of friends. It's new nurseries. It's, a, it's finding that new routine again. And actually, everything's changing every few months, a lot of time away for both of us. We just felt as a family, that constant cycle of settling in moving on settling in moving on being away with work being away on courses wasn't sustainable for us so we decided to take an opportunity to go overseas have an adventure have a lot more quality time together as a family and actually just take a bit of time out and do what suited us for a while
1: good for you. I think it, it's about organizing that in your own head, isn't it and thinking about what is important for you and to what degree do you want to compromise or don't you want to compromise and you talked about that predictability being important to you you know you've talked about that through your career journey and that constant change and evolving and adapting to that. Tell us Harriet, what was it like living in the Middle East? you know you told us that you couldn't work during that time. How did you find that period and how did you kind of occupy your time?
2: It was by turns brilliant and by turns really tough. It's a very privileged position to be in where you can have your days to yourself. You can do lots of exercise, you can meet friends, uh, you're available for your family 24-7. Actually, that's that's really nice for a short time. I then started to find that became quite challenging for my personality. Um, I would sometimes find myself becoming a little bit introspective. Actually, you find things to fill your days that aren't necessarily as important. So where we were living was a very, very limited in terms of facilities, in terms of activities, in terms of things you could do. You couldn't just hop in the car and go out. It was, it's a small compound there is a gym, a swimming pool, and a coffee shop, but not much else. And actually trying to not go a little bit crazy is was quite quite challenging. And when you're having tough times, there was always lots of people around to help. But what was the positive, always people around, is also sometimes the negative, whereas you don't feel you have much space, you don't feel you have much privacy, you don't have much of an outlet. And I think all of the people I found in that situation really tended to need to have something that they could cling on to that there was their own and would keep them busy, occupied, whether that's running a small business, whether that's running exercise classes, whether it's volunteering at the school. It was, it's very important to keep yourself mentally occupied. And what I did in that period was I did, I studied for a master's in terrorism, crime and global security with a specialist specialist module on Russian foreign and security policy. And I did my dissertation on the geopolitics of cyber conflict with a, an analysis of Russian and China and their approaches to cyber conflict. It was brilliant. And it was actually that that by accident then ended up leading to the career that I'm in now because I managed to find a happy medium between leaving the military, but actually I'm still in, fundamentally interested in defence and security. That's, that's what I enjoy. That's what I'm interested in working in. That's what I like to follow in the media. So it it did keep me very busy. And it was great to have something that I could do and actually say, I'm marking out this time for me and I can turn down other offers. I I don't have to go and go to every coffee morning because I've got something else that I'm busy studying. So it, it was carving out time for myself and actually giving me permission to say no to social things or domestic things actually no i'm doing something that is important to me and i'm going to set time aside for
0: it yeah you talk about the dynamics of living in the middle east and and, and in particular where you were living and uh, the tough times but also the rewarding times what do you think you learned about yourself during this time you had you had this space what did you learn about about who you are and what's important to you and your values i think the
2: things I learned, particularly as I am incapable of sitting still, I can't give myself permission to relax or take time out for myself. Therefore, I need to fill my days with something that is rewarding um, and that I enjoy. Because if I don't have something that I ought to be doing, I'll find something I ought to be doing. And that might be something not particularly constructive or good for your own morale. So I've definitely learned that I need to have a focus, a project, because I won't just sit still. I also found that it's very important to be able to say no to things and to be honest to people and say, I am don't feel like I want to do this today because I think it will actually make me feel worse. Or actually to be more open with people and say, I am finding this week difficult, so um, please bear with me. And so I think it's... You're a lot more exposed in that kind of environment. There is nowhere to hide. You're totally reliant on to other people. And so you have to become very self-aware. You also have to become very aware of other people and the challenges that they're facing. And I think you definitely see more of people. You see them in their, at their best and at their worst. And you become much more understanding, I think, of challenges that people are facing and probably more
0: perceptive as a result. It's really interesting you talk about that because I was going to ask you about the skills and strengths that you thought you developed during that career break. And obviously there was the educational one, you did your master's, but some of the other things you go on to talk about in terms of that self-awareness, that ability to say no, that, that ability to really understand and empathise with other people and their experience, um, I'm imagining that those are skills and strengths that you that you developed and fine-tuned and that you've then been able to take with you on this next phase of your career. I,
2: I think that's probably right. I think that's true. I certainly feel that now I'm working with a more diverse range of people, not necessarily in terms of background, but in terms of personality types. I think in the military, everybody is slightly of a mould. They're very can-do. They're very robust. I'm finding it interesting working with a broader range of people who who may be quieter or they may be less confident or just, just different. And I think that sensitivity to a, a range of personality types is, is something new. And I didn't wasn't necessarily n-
1: massively exposed to that before I took my career break. As your time in the Middle East was coming to an end, Harriet, what was your return to work strategy you know when you were moving back to the UK so strategy makes it sound like i had some brilliantly enacted plan which
2: <laughs> was in fact not the case it was very much an organic process because i had 5 years off in total and i knew that i wanted to return to work when i got back to the UK i was constantly had at the back of my mind an idea that i would sort of just explore options in slow time so as I was going through my master's degree I started to refine areas that I was interested in academically and seeing an overlap in the areas I was interested in academically but also how that fitted in with the wider world of work I was very fortunate to go to quite a few events run by organizations like the Officers Association they did some brilliant women's return to employment events and um women in cybersecurity events. And I also managed to do insight days at various consultancies. And that just helped to bring up a ve- build up a very slow picture of the sort of environments and roles that I felt I would be comfortable in and, and that I would be interested in. I then planned to spend my final year upskilling and looking for work. But actually, I sort of got slightly overtaken by events in that I found myself back in the UK for 18 months on my own with the children during COVID as a result of border closures. In that time, I also was attending lots of online lectures and presentations for my dissertation, which I was finalising. And actually through one of those events, I met a lady who was speaking at one that was hosted by BAE Systems and the Royal United Services Institute. I got chatting to her afterwards and she just said, why did not you apply for a job in my team? So I did (laughs) I got offered a job, which I was then unable to take due to circumstances because I had to return to the Middle East for a bit. But then I got back in touch when I was due to come back to the UK and they had a role for me. So actually saying I had a strategy probably doesn't really capture the truth of it. The truth was I was just spending time in spaces where the area that I was interested in was widely discussed. So... Um, lectures and presentations and so on. It was more of an organic process than a than a strategy. So I, I took the time, I was doing exploring. I, I did find that period very useful though, because there were other companies that did get in touch, you know, through Insight Days and so on. And I found very quickly that I was getting a feel for which organisations were going to be a good fit and which organisations. Immediately I found the culture to be slightly off-putting or not quite a good fit for me. Um, So
1: that was quite an eye-opener. I think what you said there is so interesting. it's, It's exploring what interests you. So, you know, doing your master's and then being open to attending events, meeting people, and then, you know, doors and opportunities start to present themselves. Doors open and opportunities start to present themselves. Very much so. I just, I met some
2: fantastic people as well. And I just felt that being around in that kind of space, one thing I was privileged to have lots of was time. You know, I was not in a rush. I had five years. And so I was able to explore stuff from a non-committal, I'm not looking for a job, I'm just looking to understand. That, I felt, gave me a really good insight into opportunities, cultures of various companies, And people just being really helpful.
0: Yeah, I think also not to undersell how proactive you were there as well, because, you know, not only did you look for those spaces to explore and those events to go to, but um, when we were talking earlier, you talked about reaching out to that presenter from BAE Systems and, and, you know, and connecting with her and telling her about your interest in that space. And, and obviously, she found that very impressive at the time. It's putting yourself in the right space, being open to opportunities, but then also being proactive and following through in a way that feels comfortable. You came back to the UK um, in 2022, and you had this job offer that, you, that was ready and waiting for you. So a very lovely place to be. Um, But you had been out for five years, you know, out of that going to work routine. How would you say you prepared yourself for that return to work, both professionally, um, but also personally in feeling ready for it? Um, So I have
2: to say personally, I was in an absolute blind panic. I was very conscious of how my Initial return to work after two years of maternity leave had felt. In fact, I almost, I almost bottled it the week before. I almost just said, "I can't do this. I can't." If it was that, if it felt that hard after two years, how is it going to feel after five years? And on top of that, I'm on my own, still solo parenting again. My husband's still working overseas, so it's just me and the two children. And a return to work again. And last time, I found it. Very hard and very isolating. So I did nearly, just it was almost a (laughs) no-show. But actually, I just I just got on with it. I I had a a supportive family. I mean, it's been largely working online. My first my first day of work was actually a two-day team event over the other side of the country. My sister was very kind and looked after the children for me, took them to school. And I'm so glad I took the leap because in contrast to coming back the first time, I felt it was instantaneous. It's like somebody had flipped a switch in my head that I had my old self back, how I was five years ago or pre-children. My confidence and decisiveness returned really quickly. All of that self-doubt and slightly overthinking and internalizing and anxiety, things that come from being out in the Middle East with no real outlet and just overthinking things all the time just vanished. And I became overnight again, decisive, confident. Yeah, the confidence was huge. But that that filters into all aspects of your life, not just professional, but you just feel more resilient and able to deal with stuff.
0: What was different for you this time around, Harriet? So, After your first career break of two years, it was a tough return to work. Mm. What do you think made the difference for you second time around as you returned to work at BAE Systems?
2: Coming into a very supportive environment, actually. I think this time around, I feel like I've picked the environment. I was excited to do this job because I was excited by the team and the people I was going to be working with. I felt it was a very welcoming environment and a very supporting environment. And I could see other people in a similar situation to me doing brilliantly. And that that was very, very reassuring. I felt prepared and I felt like I do have something to offer here. And I was excited because I'm starting a new career. So rather than going back to something that I used to do well and I can't quite remember if I can do it well, it was a, it was a blank slate. It was a fresh start. It's sort of mine to own. So... I think that was, that was the key, really.
0: Great. And and I think, you know, seeing others in the same situation, being able to succeed, that's really encouraging, isn't it? It's that whole role model, there are others that are doing it, you know, the culture is going to be supportive of it. In terms of your preparation to return on a professional level, how did you, how did you get prepped for that? You talked about feeling ready, you felt prepared. What was it that you did that helped? It sounds silly, but I, Read up on the
2: company, and I did. I did lots of revision. I did my did my homework um, just so that I felt like I knew the organisation I was going into. I dusted off my project management notes and refreshed myself on all of that. I I just I had to think about. I read up on the legislation and the requirements for the role I was going into, and it was it was not stuff I was expected to know, and nobody's checking
1: up on it. But I was just put my head into that space got myself in the right frame of mind really helpful i think to get those get those basics in place and and not silly stuff at all it's it's just getting yourself really back into that space and feeling like you feel confident like say excited about your return to work we know you've got a busy work schedule harriet and you've got two young children and often that kind of sense of balance can be tricky when you return to work it can quite often um be thrown out of kilter like you say when you're busy doing a lot of solo parenting as well. So, you know, how have you found that?
2: I like to get up an hour before everybody else so that I can do some yoga and have a cup of tea and just set the scene for the day, just feel a little bit on top of things. So I like to carve out some time at the beginning of the day. I like to carve out time at the end of the day. I prefer to listen to things like podcasts whenever I can. So if I get to be in the car by myself or doing some exercise, or even doing chores, I like to listen to a podcast that is, I find interesting and engaging and stimulating. So I like to listen to In Moscow Shadows by Mark Galliotti, which is a Russian foreign policy, security policy. I like to listen to stuff by the Centre for Humane Technology about social media and it's, you know, the legislative agenda around that and the impact on democracies. I like to listen to The Rest is Politics, which is a great sort of overview of geopolitics and uk domestic politics so i find that taking stuff that i'm not it's not to do with work and it's not to do with being a parent it's just to do with my wider interests that makes me feel stimulated invigorated and sparks ideas and makes you think of connections between one aspect of you know, technology and another and how that how sort of conflicts and technology all fit together so that's what i find is taking time out for me
1: just keep my head busy yeah I think that's starting starting early to getting up an hour earlier if you if you're the type of person that can do that and that works for you I think you can really set your day up for success that way I love that you talked about what interests you you know it's that thread again of following what particularly interests you Listening to podcasts that you know are not uh, perhaps directly connected with work but are sparking ideas and interest for you and keeping you passionate and energized about what you do looking
0: back now Harriet what a some of the things that you are most proud of, both personally and professionally in your return to work journey?
2: I think I'm really proud and excited to be embarking on a new career, a second career, having had a a career in the military, having had a break. I'm really excited and proud to be starting a new career in a field that I'm really excited about. I think that's a fantastic opportunity. It feels like a huge privilege. It's not something that everyone gets to do. So I'm really proud of that. I'm also very proud of getting a distinction in my master's whilst also homeschooling during COVID and solo parenting. And I do have to thank my children for that because they, they had rather more screen time than they should have done as a result. <laughs> um, I'm really proud that I've managed to do this and still keep my family happy, content on a level, keep that train running. I don't feel like I'm letting anybody down at this point so yeah I do feel a little bit like I've managed to find a good balance
1: and I think that's a really exciting prospect at this at this stage. Lovely sounds like you're in such a great place with it it's brilliant to hear that. No, Some days. <laughs> So what advice would you have, Harriet, for, you know, for others who are listening to this, they're on a career break at the moment, listening to your story, perhaps resonating with elements of your story. What advice would you have for those that are considering returning to work?
2: I think I've got three, probably three main pieces of advice. The first one is time. If you can give yourself time, both in your day, but also within your wider journey to just step back and explore what's important to you and to make space for yourself. If you can find that time, that's really, really valuable. Um, Because once you're on the sort of hamster wheel of keeping everything, all those balls up in the air, suddenly time disappears. So you need to really carve that out. The second thing I would say is definitely reach out. So find out the areas that you're interested in that stimulate you not necessarily just related to work, but academic or political. And there are always lots of events in those spaces since everything's come online. There's so much more that you can attend and get involved with. And I found that people have been across the board so, so welcoming, so, so supportive. If you reach out to somebody and say, I, I really like, I'm really interested in knowing, learning more about your job, they'll cheerfully put you in touch with somebody and support you. I've had such brilliant recommendations and long chats with people. I've had offers of mentorship. Um, people are so happy to share. And that, that's a really invaluable resource. And as you say, it can just lead you down little alleyways that you never expected. And the final one, I think, is find a company or an organization where you get a, a good vibe and you feel like you're going to be a good fit. Obviously, all different organizations have very different cultures. Some of them to me felt like they were going to be very welcoming and some straight away I could feel like they are welcoming, but it just doesn't, I don't think that's going to be a good fit for me. So just take the time to explore where you want to be.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's the beauty of returning to work, isn't it? You haven't taken that decision lightly, you know, you've thought it through, you thought through what interests you, what stimulates you, what's important to you, you know, through your values and the culture that you want to work with. And then, like you say, give yourself the time to actually explore and find the right connection, the right place and space for you. Mm, Yeah. Thank you so much, Harriet, for joining us today. We have loved the conversation with you. So many helpful pieces of of advice for our listeners. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) I really found that conversation with Harriet so interesting. Another great slant on returning to work, this time from a military background, and the challenges of managing a family and a career.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed hearing Harriet's story too. One thing that really stood out for me was how much she enjoyed and needed to feel intellectually stimulated. I think so many returners will relate to that. Definitely. And she talked about living in the Middle East on a military
1: compound with her family. Now, it can be hard enough raising your kids at home when you've got the freedom to jump in the car and head out when things get too much. But living in a small space like
0: that must have been so challenging. And I think this is where Harriet's strength of character really shines through. She had a determination not only to keep herself stimulated, but also to do what really interested her. She studied for her Master's in Terrorism, Crime and Global Security. And what was brilliant about that was that it led to the career she's doing now and loves in BAE systems. Great, isn't it? And Harriet's proactive approach is so
1: important. She formulated an idea in her mind to return to work and began to
0: refine areas that she was interested in, both academically and in the wider world. She spent time in the spaces where the areas she was interested in were widely discussed, attending events, meeting people and getting a feel for which types of organisations would be a good values and culture fit. And she also took the initiative to chat to interesting
1: people she met, like the host of the BAE event. And this led to a career opportunity and a job offer. You just never know what could be next for you unless you harness the confidence to
0: go for it and have those great conversations. It's a key point, isn't it? When you do more of what interests you, doors that you didn't even know existed will open. It's called planned happenstance and careers theory. And it's about being flexible with your approach and following what you're interested in with an open mind as to where that could lead to. We hope
1: you enjoyed another great podcast conversation today. And we'd like to leave you with the idea of exploring what you are really interested in. Perhaps you could find a podcast to listen to like Harriet does or watch a programme or a TED talk that relates to your area of interest. At the very least, you'll be enjoying and learning and at the best, it could lead to your next career move. Thanks for joining us today, and we really hope that this story will inspire you to take the next step in your own return to work journey. Do tell your friends and family about the Career Returners podcast, and when you get a moment, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts.
0: A big thanks again to JP Morgan for supporting us to create this podcast series. JP Morgan has supported professionals on a career break to successfully return to work for many years and values the diversity, fresh perspective and wealth of experience that returning professionals can bring. Take a look at their successful re-entry program if you're thinking about returning to work.
1: And if you're looking for more advice and guidance in your own return to work journey, we're here to support you. Visit us at womenreturners.com and sign up to our free Women Returners professional network to hear about current returner opportunities and events, including our free monthly webinars for network members. And do join our growing community of returners in our Facebook group for
0: valuable peer support. We look forward to you joining us again for our next episode of the Career Returners podcast.